0: of paper out of stock there's friendly faces around the block break loose from the chains that are causing you pain call michael and stanley jim dwight creek call andy and kelly for
1: your business paper needs dunder mifflin the people persons paper people
0: paper
1: people. Time out, time out, time out. Kick us off this week. Five, four, <laughs> three. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> um, yeah, sure. Hey, everybody. This is the fourth episode of People, Persons. Wait, no, no, it's not. No. Cut. So, wrong on the episode number and the podcast title. <laughs> That's right. This is actually the third episode of Out of paper, Um, we were formerly called People, Persons, Paper, People before we uploaded any of these episodes, but then... Fortunately. Yeah, Rob, you made a discovery. (laughs) We found that there was another podcast called People, Persons,
0: Paper Podcast, and we felt that that was just a little too close to ours. So we called an audible, and we changed our name, and now we're out of paper. Yeah. You guys may have noticed in episodes one and two, that there was a little weird inconsistency in the audio and in our
1: introductions and in our sign-off. Yeah, I had to do a little cutting and re-recording. Yeah. And uh, you're going to hear more of that for the next three episodes, since we recorded the whole first season before uploading anything. And making this discovery. So <laughs> Bear with us for the next few episodes, and then it'll sound a lot more organic. And in the meantime,
0: enjoy our third episode of Out of Paper
1: hope you guys are doing well today how are you doing rob doing great feeling healthy feeling healthy huh yeah
0: that's that my employer-backed health insurance plan really
1: oh yeah is the gold plan it is not the gold plan well you should try it it's very good (laughs) (laughs) Uh do you get massages at least not at this job. I did have a job where I got that. That's true, but that was kind of an office perk, right? Not so much a healthcare care plan benefit. No, yeah. I mean, they just hired a masseuse to come in and give like
0: 15-minute massages on a table.
1: I think more places should be doing that. Yeah. I, especially, wish, I wish my current job did that. Yeah, of course. I mean, who wouldn't have yeah. any job? Right. Yeah, I feel like especially in Portland, you know, we've got all the tech companies and everyone tries to you know change it up have a video game room have you know a kegerator and yeah uh, i feel like a massage would be better than any of that i've never worked in a place where the video game
0: room gets much use or had managers that would be cool with people chilling in the video game room period
1: yeah <laughs> the only place i ever worked the video game room it was pretty much used for uh conferences like small conferences yeah. or one-on-one meetings uh, yeah I feel like they would have looked down on anybody that went it's in perfect. there more than like once every couple of months maybe it's probably one of those things companies have that like they use
0: to entice new hires yeah absolutely because otherwise
1: not nah, it never gets used no keg gets used yes and I feel like nobody judges you for going to that frequently as long as you don't have like a problem or start failing at doing your job. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, we get beer.
0: In my company.
1: Nice. Yeah. Like local stuff or change it up? They change it up. Okay.
0: Typically PBR.
1: Oh. Yeah. Oh, it's better than nothing.
0: Alright. Yeah. It's not bad at the end of the day most days.
1: Yeah, absolutely. At least as far as the lower priced beers go it is pretty drinkable oh for sure yeah yeah i'm not gonna hate on pbr no there's certainly way worse beers out there absolutely well all right um should we move on to news let's move on the news all right so we have a news article that actually you brought to my attention rob that's right yeah kept popping up in my google now feed all right well (laughs) i mean it's your article if you want to talk about it sure
0: so uh there was a man in Tucson, Arizona, goes by the name of Cross Scott, no relation to Michael Scott <laughs> that we know of, that we know of, Well, Michael Scott being a fictional character and this person being a real life person.
1: Don't crush my dreams, Rob. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so anyway, this guy was 21 years old. Uh, he found a woman locked in her car while he was at work, and uh, he broke into her car using a rock took her pulse and realized she was not breathing um he didn't have any formal emergency training but he referenced a scene from the episode of the office where uh they have someone um teaching cpr and he he used his training from that episode or his informal training from that episode if you will yeah to perform cpr on the woman singing out staying alive as he performed it just like they do in the episode and saved her life she began breathing within two minutes and was taken to the hospital and released shortly thereafter
1: it's pretty awesome that a woman is still alive because of because of this show yeah or just any comedy show at all even it's true that's pretty great yeah it's a good thing that he went with the right staying alive (laughs) first i was afraid i was petrified (laughs) i love this song (laughs) Uh, but yeah stand alive is the recommended 100 beats per minute and uh that's pretty awesome so my hats off to you scott cross yes you're a hero not a superhero but a hero Yeah, not a diversity today hero. Well, maybe you are a diversity today hero. I don't know. I can't make that call. But, uh, yeah. Good on you, Cross Scott. Yes. So, yeah, that's about all the news that I could find. I feel like uh, I don't remember if we talked about last week that Netflix might be losing The Office at some point soon. I know we brought up that it's the most streamed show.
0: I've honestly heard that. Pretty much every year it's been on Netflix and we have yet to see it happen. So
1: meh. It seems a little more likely to happen in what I read to be twenty twenty one, maybe, because I guess that's when NBC is launching their own streaming service. Oh god. So it's thought that they might kinda wanna retain the rights. These networks, I have a
0: feeling, are gonna have a rude awakening when they realize that they missed the
1: boat. Yeah. On the paid streaming service. But we'll see. Yeah. I don't know how many people are gonna want to pay for no. individual services. Although I will say if it kind of you know, over time moves more in the direction of like the British model of cable, that could be pretty cool. How is that structured? I don't how is it different? So instead of like we get in America, we get cable packages with bundles of certain channels, maybe certain channels will be excluded. Right. Um, but you're always gonna generally be getting a lot of things you might not want to see. You know, no matter what package you choose. Apparently, in the UK, you just pay a small licensing fee per channel that you want and you can be completely selective. So, Mm -hmm. if over time, you know, more people cut the cord and we see more people, you know, streaming television over media devices or whatever they use.
0: See, the difference is, though, is that I would imagine people in the UK are only paying the equivalent of a dollar or two per channel.
1: Yeah, and I think they are. But maybe once these companies that start their own streaming services find them not to be sustainable, maybe Oh, yeah, drop you know, all of television will just kind of move over to that model like mingled with the streaming, you know, like on demand for the backlog and then just, you know, you can pay for the channel individually. Right. I mean I still a long shot. I
0: still feel like it's gonna be annoying, at least for cord cutters who don't have cable at all, that They're not going to have one place they can go to find shows on multiple networks, you know. Instead, they'll have to like go to the NBC site for show X and the ABC site for show B. Yeah, and you know that's that's so frustrating.
1: Yeah, I agree with you.
0: I think the Netflix model is really it's it's like trying to take a step backward, and people aren't. It's too late. People are used to to things this way now and making things more complicated isn't going to entice anyone to pay that money
1: maybe netflix just needs to become a ridiculous overarching monopoly that buys comcast (laughs) and buys time warner (laughs) and then all the cable belongs to netflix so they can do with it what they will yeah i don't know what the answer is i guess generally giant overarching monopolies aren't the answer but uh yeah but who knows? You know, it's 2019, so yeah, we've clearly decided preventing that's not the answer either at this point. True. Dinkin Flicka. Dinkin Flicka. <laughs> All right. So this week we have healthcare, third episode of the first season. It was written by Paul Lieberstein and directed by Ken Whittingham, and it first aired on April 5th, 2005. And, um, yeah, looking up Ken Whittingham, it seems like there's not a ton of information out there about him. Did you find anything that I didn't or? I I did not. Okay. Well, yeah, it looks like he's, uh, worked on a lot of shows, including American Housewife, Gilmore Girls, Unbreakable, Kimmy Schmidt, Ugly Betty, Still Standing, Community, Yes Dear, 30 Rock, Californication, Parks and Recreation, The Middle, The Mindy Project, Parenthood. The Bernie Mac Show, Scrubs, Two Broke Girls, Everybody Hates Chris, Modern Family, The King of Queens, Rules of Engagement, The Office, My Name is Earl, Entourage, and Suburgatory, which I think is the only show in that list that I have not heard of. Have you? Yeah, no, Suburgatory? That's how it's spelled. It says he's also a producer. Let's see what that is. It's a sitcom that aired on ABC. From September twenty eighth, two thousand eleven to May fourteenth, twenty fourteen, huh. and uh, never heard of it. What network was it on? It said ABC. It's about a single father who decides to get away from New York City to the suburbs to live with his teenage daughter and try to give her a better life. And uh, maybe it draws on the Stepford Wives. I don't know. But either way, the only reason I went through the entire list of all the other shows that he worked on is they're all decently large shows or with decently oh, yeah. sized Following, I mean, it sounds to me like it's pretty much impo- impossible not to have
0: watched a show that this guy's worked on.
1: Pretty much. Yeah. And Unless he, you just don't watch TV at all. Yeah. And he has also won five NAACP Image Awards for his work on The Office, 30 Rock, and Parks and Rec. Nice. Yeah. So now the people that have never seen TV also know about them. Well, I don't know how many of those people decide to listen to our podcast. Probably not for them. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not. Yeah. Maybe this is what they need to kind of work their way into watching TV. You know, first you listen to people talk about TV, (laughs) then maybe you listen to people talk about TV in real life. And then you finally, you know, turn on the TV and you finally take that leap. Yeah. See if you can handle (laughs) it. Seeing moving images on a 2D plane instead of the normal three dimensional uh, one we live in. Uh. It's a big step. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it looks like in addition to healthcare, Ken Whittingham also directed Michael's birthday, the convention, the merger, Phyllis's wedding, launch party, night out, heavy competition, and viewing party. And, uh,. I'd say at least a few of those are some of my favorite episodes of oh, the series. Yeah. Definitely.
0: Those are some good ones.
1: Yeah, some heavy hitters there. And a lot of them are way, I feel like healthcare, as far as scopes of plot goes, like pretty contained. Oh, yeah. And uh, very tight. I feel like a lot of these episodes, a lot of moving pieces. You know, They have a lot of different locations, and there's right. just a lot going on. I was just going to say that. Yeah. Not a
0: lot of these take place just in the office like this one.
1: Yeah, and I think Launch Party takes place uh, partially in New York. Yeah. Yeah, or is it Lunch Party? <laughs> or Lanch Party, <laughs> I can <you> never remember. <laughs> but yeah, he's, uh, he's directed uh, some pretty great episodes, and let's see how he does with this one. Let's see. Yeah, so this episode starts off with Michael walking up to Pam's desk, and uh, he asks her if there's any messages. For him she says uh no there's no new messages and he you know returns that's not what you told me earlier and she kind of awkwardly looks at the camera and asks him if he if she if he wants her to repeat them for uh, and just kind of nods her head and michael just looks at the camera with defeat and turns around and goes back into his office information superhighway <laughs> <laughs> Um, So yeah, we cut to Michael Explaining that he has uh, Been tasked with choosing A new healthcare plan for the office Kind of laying out the groundwork For the episode
2: The most sacred thing I do Is care and provide For my workers, my family I give them money I give them food Not directly, but through the money I Heal them Today I am in charge of picking a great new health care plan. Right? That's what this is all about. Does that make me their doctor? Um Yes, in a way. Yeah, like a specialist. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like a specialist. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's uh I love that trend of Michaels to ask questions the answer is almost always no he almost always answers it yes
0: (laughs) i also like that he completely ignoring everybody above him and like the company as a whole he feels responsible for these people's paychecks
1: yeah (laughs) it's just funny to me and i feel like we get a lot of lines from michael over the course of the series like that too i can think of one occasion not sure what episode where uh Dwight's pestering him, and he's trying to get away. And he's like, "Dwight, I have a company to run. Like, can you let me run the company?" Like, he doesn't do a whole lot throughout yeah. the day. He really just distracts people. Right. It's like a mid-level manager. Yep. Regional manager. So
0: <laughs> he's like a he's like a glorified cheerleader mostly.
1: Yeah. Although I I don't think that's his job description, but that's well, how no, he takes it. But that's how yeah. he takes it. Yeah i think uh cheerleading is the the refuge of the incompetent when they're in over their head mm. yeah Maybe cheerleading or naysaying i guess it depends on the person yeah huh. that's an interesting way to frame it yeah i can't argue no i can think of some real life examples oh, and that's sure. as specific as i care to be <laughs> <laughs> but they're out there yeah um, so yeah, anyway, uh, Michael, you know, sees himself as a specialist. He provides for his workers almost like a, I don't know. He's almost describing himself like a King. Yeah. In that clip just, you know, feudal, he's everything, a feudal Lord. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, right after this, we cut to, uh, Michael back in his office and now Jan is there.
2: So, which health plan have you decided on?
1: I am going to go with the best, Jan.
2: I am going to go with the one with the acupuncture, therapeutic massage, you know, the works. Wait, acupuncture? Mm -hmm. None of the plans have acupuncture. Have you looked at them closely, Michael? Oh, I think it was you who didn't look closely enough at the gold plan. The
3: gold plan? Yeah. I'm not even on that plan.
2: Well, I'd recommend it. It's very good. You, crack you these know, the whole open. reason that we're doing this mm-hmm. is to save money. So, you just need to pick a provider and then choose the cheapest plan. Well, that is a kind of a tough assignment. Um, it's not going to be a popular decision job. around the old orifice. So. I, well, it's a suicide mission, you know? <laughs> Michael, I, I don't, uh, I, maybe, I mean, I, they're, they're, you know, sometimes a manager... Like yourself has to deliver the bad news to the employees. I do it all the time. Oh, yeah. When have so, you ever done that? I'm doing it right now,
3: to you. <sighs> <laughs>
0: you know, one thing that struck me about that scene is um, in the big, in the when when Jan ex- starts explaining that they're doing this to save money, Michael looks like very disappointed and worried yeah he has this look on his face like oh i didn't understand that like this was me hurting my employees i don't know it was just a very brief facial expression that the camera cut to but yeah it it made me realize you know that he really does like care about these people and
1: i don't know maybe i'm yeah no i i totally agree with you yeah i feel like that's part of steve carell's brilliance and maybe the, the producers and the you know director is uh i feel like there's a lot of little kind of facial tics or expressions that are only there for a second yeah that really do speak volumes to, right you know kind of what the character's going through
0: yeah for sure that was definitely one of those moments where michael's kind of
1: taken off guard and really doesn't want to do it yeah alarm bells then start going off <laughs> like with downsizing but uh right I also love Michael's, like, idealization of everybody, how, you know, Jan says it's part of your job, you know, to give bad information to your employees, like, I'm doing to you. Yeah. But well, when have you ever done that? So, <laughs> I'm like, doing basically, it. Basically, right like, now. yeah, like, if not for diversity today, two episodes in a row, the last two times we've seen Jan, she comes to deliver him bad news. Right. And I feel like her news that she delivers him never really gets better over time. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe weirder, but not better. Um, so yeah, we should probably bring up, uh, Jan and, uh, Melora Hardin, who plays Jan. Seems like a good scene of her actually speaking more than a couple lines. Melora Hardin, it looks like she has had a pretty long and prolific acting career. She started in the seventies in the series Thunder, and she's been in, uh, over 70 movies and TV shows since... She was in two Little House in the Prairie episodes. She was uh, in the television movie from 1983, Little House. Look back to yesterday. She starred as Baby in the short-lived 1988 television series, Dirty Dancing, based on the film. I had no idea they made a TV series based off that movie. Well, it did say it's short-lived. Yeah. (laughs) Neither did I.
0: I guess somebody did put Baby in the corner. Oh, nice. <laughs> 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 Poor Laura Harden.
1: <laughs> she was also in two 1992 episodes of Quantum Leap as Abigail in the trilogy, parts two and three. Or trilogy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think I saw those episodes. I've seen a bunch of it. Right. gotta look into it. Yeah. Scott Bakula. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: I wasn't going anywhere with that. I just like saying his name.
1: It's a fun name to say. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Bacula. Bacula. Yeah. Scott Bacula. Scott Bacula. <laughs> Scott Bacula. Friend of the show, Scott Bacula. <laughs> oh. Maybe one day. Maybe. <laughs> okay. It reminds me of a book I read in middle school
0: uh about a vampire bunny named uh I think it was
1: Benicula. Yeah, I think I read that book too. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> it was like really watered down like childhood horror.
1: Yeah. I mean was it even horror? I feel like well, I, I remember I that mean, bunny being pretty cute. Yeah. It's basically just had fangs. Yeah. <laughs> was it a little white bunny? Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I don't remember the plot. I, no. All I, all I remember either. is the cover
0: with Banicula.
1: Yeah, but I think I, I think I too had that book. Yeah. It's classic. Uh, So let's see, what else did she do? After Quantum Leap,
0: she co-starred in the 1990 dance movie Lombada as Sandy. A lot of dance movies. Or dance-related media.
1: Yeah, I I feel like we should maybe look into that. I wonder if she's like a dancer, you know? That's part of what she does. Or maybe she just likes to play a dancer. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine
0: having dancing on your resume would help you get parts, so...
1: She does kind of look like a dancer. She's very lithe. 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 I like it. Yeah. Um, she was also originally cast in Back to the Future as Jennifer Parker, but was apparently recast after the original Marty McFly. I also didn't know that there was an original. Uh, Eric Stoltz was let go. When they cast Michael J. Fox, they determined that Melora Harden was too tall to stand next to him. So they... Huh. Yeah. Replaced with Claudia Wells, who in the next movie was replaced again. <laughs> yeah, by uh, I'm blanking on it now. I, Elizabeth I, Shue. Oh, that's right. It was yeah. Elizabeth Shue. Yeah, I had a big crush on her. You didn't? Yeah. I mean, yeah, especially in Back to the Future.
0: Yeah. No, I would so say much. I would say at the at the time of my becoming a man. Uh, she had just recently been in the movie the saint well, i never saw the saint val kilmer oh really yeah i don't know if i can recommend it because <laughs> again i was in middle school when it came out and i really liked it then uh but that also could have had a lot to do with the crush i had on elizabeth Shoe. fair enough so i don't know
1: i she, remember it being a good movie she certainly made hollow man more watchable <laughs> oh god say that <laughs> Oh. I don't know about watchable, it's, but a Kevin, more watchable. It's a Kevin
0: Bacon classic.
1: <laughs> it is a Kevin Bacon classic.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh. I mean, I, I enjoy Kevin Bacon, but I guess not all the time. <laughs> I know. It's just
0: yeah. that movie was so bad. I thought it was funny. Yeah. To say, but it
1: was I don't true. know if anybody could have saved that. No, it was pretty rough. Apologies to any listeners who really, really love Hollow Man. Yeah. I don't mean to personally offend you. Yeah. It's not for us. We try not to be snobs, but sometimes... Yeah. But I mean come on, Hollow Man. <laughs> what are you gonna do? Oh. So all right. After that, it looks like now I've just got Hollow Man on the mind. <laughs> it looks like she played a reoccurring role of Trudy Monk in uh the network series Monk, the main character's deceased wife. Do you ever watch Monk? No. Neither did I, and I know a lot of people that like watched it religiously. Yeah, I kind of feel like I should.
0: Yeah, there was a there was a level of cheesiness I just could never jive with hmm. in that show. I really liked the main actor whose name I can't think of right now,
1: but uh, he was kind of in
0: everything in that time period, two
1: thousand four to two thousand nine. Tony Shalab? yeah, he's great in the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, as I know I've brought up before. Oh, I didn't. Oh, yeah, no, I did know he was
0: in that. Yeah, he's yeah. Uh,
1: the titular character's father-in-law. Right. Or wait, no, father. Mm-hmm. My mistake. I haven't seen it, so. Well, it's a great show. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely Car- recommend it. Uh, we have both seasons. I just need the... Yeah, time. and I know, I know Carrie's seen it. Oh, yeah.
0: One of these days. <laughs> One of the long <laughs> list that just continues to get longer of things that I need to watch and catch up on.
1: I was listening to an old episode of uh, Mark Marin's podcast, and he said he felt like uh, there's too many shows to watch is the modern version of There's Nothing On. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty brilliant. Yeah, I, I don't think he's wrong. No. He's a smart guy. Yep. All right, so back to Melora Hardin. It looks like, um, yeah, I'd, I'd say what she's most known for is probably The Office. And after that, um, probably, sorry. Hannah Montana the movie, Dan. Come on. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's what I was driving at. (laughs) Hannah Montana the movie. Uh, Is this not in here? Sorry.
0: Oh. She appeared in several episodes of the popular web show Elevator on YouTube.
1: Okay. Have you ever seen that?
0: No. Me neither. She made her Broadway debut as Roxy Hart in the revival of Chicago, the musical was in 2008 and she stayed with
1: the show until 2009. I guess that answers the question of if she, uh, is a dancer. I imagine the answer is yes. I've never seen Chicago, the musical. So neither have I, but most, I mean, stage musicals that I've seen at least I feel like generally that's true. Yeah. Nobody's just kind of standing there. Singing a song.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's the musical I want to see.
1: (laughs) People just 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 standing standing awkwardly. Yep. What? Well, let's make it. You know, (laughs) after this podcast is done, you know, we'll use all the. That'll be our next creative endeavor. Yeah. All the negative money from this and (laughs) we'll make that play. Um, And it looks like most recently she is known for her role in Transparent. And she was nominated for a Primetime Emmy Award for a role in that show. Um, I have not seen that show. Have you? No. I've heard it's good. I've never even heard of it. Really? It stars Jeffrey Tambor as a uh, trans woman. Oh, oh. Yeah. Is that called Transparent? I believe so. Huh. Yep. Okay.
0: No, I have not seen any of Transparent. Again, it's one of those shows that's on my list
1: yeah seems
0: worth checking out for yeah. sure so here's an interesting tidbit that i really enjoy uh melora Hardin's singing career she played a nightclub singer in disney's the rocketeer where she can be heard singing begin the Beguine." huh Is that how you pronounce that well anyway sure yeah (laughs) i don't know otherwise i loved the rocketeer when i was a kid
1: oh yeah we talked about this (laughs) recently (laughs) and
0: it's one of those movies i tried to watch you know just a couple years ago and it it didn't hold up for me
1: not even uh, jan
0: well it's funny (laughs) i i don't know if maybe it wasn't just a couple years ago that i attempted to watch it again either that or i just didn't make it to the scene where
1: she's singing in the nightclub it's possible maybe you don't see her, you only hear her. Oh maybe. It does say she can be heard. Right. But uh yeah, well if you ever give it another go. Yeah, I'll have to look out for that. It looks like she also played a major role in the T V movie Tower of Terror, where she sings Boy of My Dreams. You ever see that? Does that have anything to do with uh oh no, that wouldn't have anything to do with the Disney ride. You're incorrect. It has everything to do with the Disney ride. Really? Yeah, I never watched the full thing, but I remember catching snippets of it. Um, So this is a TV movie based off of the Twilight Zone, then?
0: Because that's what the whole Tower of Terror thing is.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Okay. So it's a movie based on a ride that's based on a show. (laughs) Because, I mean, there was no... And in the movie, she sings, Boy of My Dreams. Yeah, Wow, that's interesting but yeah i think that the twilight zone name for the tower of terror was uh i don't know that there was actually an episode of the twilight zone about it unless maybe it was from the 80s twilight zone that had to do with it Huh? because i've seen all of the original series and there's definitely no episode about a haunted tower and a falling elevator or anything like that right you ever go on the tower of terror oh yeah i remember when i was really young that ride like really scared me yeah not even the ride itself there's something about like just the way they had the line decorated and walking up to it oh yeah
0: it's very creepy the entire time yeah and i just yeah i mean they've got rod serling talking over the speaker the whole time and his voice is very like foreboding yeah only because you've probably at least for me i had seen so many episodes of the twilight zone as a kid that like You know, I was an impressionable little kid. Like, those legit scared me sometimes. Oh, yeah. So, like, hearing his voice, it just kind of, like...
1: You know something's coming. Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) And here's another little interesting tidbit. She sang the song Tears of Joy for the video game Leisure Suit Larry
1: Reloaded. Huh. Remember that game? I remember the game coming out. I don't think i, I mean just leisure game. suit larry in general not
0: necessarily the reloaded one
1: yeah no i i i actually never played any of those really i could have sworn you did maybe i did years after the fact but i feel like yeah just to see I what it say, was i want to
0: say when we lived together at one point you had it pulled
1: up on your computer okay so maybe i just forgot then yeah maybe it was just at some other yeah Well, I never played them when they originally came out, so I feel like I kind of missed the boat to an extent. Yeah, neither did I. I mean, we were, when they came out, we were like in single digits of age, and like this was a very mature, adult themed video game. I mean, yes and no, at least from my memory, because now I am remembering it more clearly, you bringing up me playing them when we lived together in college. Yeah. I feel like that would be the time to play those games where. Well, right. The humor would seem really adult, and
0: you it's, it's just a matter of really, getting your parents yeah. to buy you a game like that. That's true. My parents would not have.
1: No, mine probably wouldn't have either. Although I feel like my parents weren't like big on really looking at like what I was buying in terms of video games or movies. Oh, yeah, mine
0: were not that way.
1: I think <laughs> I think my parents just assumed that if something was a video game, it was fine for kids. Which, I mean, at least from my own personal memories, was generally true. Uh, No. My my mom was a stickler when it came to stuff like that. Yeah, she didn't even let you watch Simpsons, right? That's right. I wasn't even allowed to watch The Simpsons. I remember my mom tried to exert some level of control over what I saw, and uh, I remember more specifically the moment that she stopped, and it was when I was watching an episode of South Park, I want to say in the first season, maybe the fourth episode of the whole series, Yeah, and she knew that I was into it because I was talking about it nonstop, this new show South Park, and she came in my room when I was watching it, and she looked at the screen just as Kenny's lifeless corpse was fling- <laughs> being flung through the air and landed headfirst on the top of a flagpole. And then slowly slid down to the bottom, (laughs) leaving a trail of blood on the whole pole. And she just looked at the screen and said, well, whatever. And just walked out and never asked me about what I was watching ever again, pretty much after that. She was like, well, if you're watching this, then, you know, anything else is fine. Right. Man, I remember specifically
0: being in fifth grade when that show came out. We were what, like 11 or 12 then?
1: Yeah, it sounds about right crazy
0: but yeah I, I my mom found out about south park probably before episode three even aired i'm sure there was some like local news segment about what television is doing to your children's brains oh or yeah what they're hiding <laughs> in cartoons these days and you know as soon as that my mom caught wind of that she put the kibosh on my you know what's funny i had to sneak i had to tell her that i was going to see a different movie with a friend in order to see south park the movie when it came out in
1: theaters
0: (laughs) that's how intense she was about what i watched and listened to and blah blah blah
1: and when did that come out that was like at least when we were in like seventh seventh or eighth grade grade. yeah Yeah, and she was still
0: like telling me i couldn't watch that wow yeah
1: it was intense yeah i had a joe dirt come out around that time too (laughs) i remember i saw that in theaters yeah probably Did you see the Ace Ventura movies? Uh,
0: Okay, so here's (laughs) another really funny example of my mom trying to censor what I watched. She taped Ace Ventura for me when it came out, and she edited out the sex scene. But just that? Just that. Did she watch the rest of it? I'm pretty sure. Huh. But, I mean, that was one of the things she was weird about. She was, like, very much trying to... Protect me from I, I don't know
1: yeah, I mean everyone's got their you yeah, know, their thing, right,
0: I mean that that's just a very American thing too, like in Europe, they censor violence, but sex is fine, even in commercials, it's like you know you have scantily clad women everywhere, yeah, but violence is the thing that they you know put parental advisories on, whereas in America it's like gratuitous violence pg but if there's boobs rate it a big R. deal yeah yeah so i think she just kind of she's gonna listen to this now and be like i can't believe <laughs> i can't believe you were talking about me on your podcast but here we are that's a shout out you know yeah shout out to my mom what's up mom all right back How's to going
1: back mrs, to- mrs. murphy <laughs> Back to the episode. <laughs> what were we talking about? It was a pretty big. We just, uh, we tangent. just,
0: we just finished Melora Hardin's introduction, right? So, yeah.
1: Now that we're done talking about Melora Hardin, <laughs> <laughs> for what is that forty-five minutes? Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, Jan uh, finishes up with Michael. Michael comes out of his office and uh, calls Jim to come and meet with him. He uh, sits Jim down and presents him with news <laughs> like he's won a prize that yeah. uh, he's been selected to choose a new healthcare plan for the office. <laughs> and uh, you know Jim is a little taken aback, and he plays it cool. Yeah, he uh, says, "You know that sounds like big responsibility." And what does Michael say? Yes. <laughs> yes. And uh, Jim
0: essentially thanks him for. Uh, Asking him with
1: the healthcare plan choice, but feels that someone else would be better for the job. He says it just doesn't sound like something that uh, he is (laughs) going to do. Yeah, thinks it'd be better if he focuses on sales. On sales. (laughs) (laughs) I love Michael's (laughs) response, really. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and yeah, then we get a little explanation from Jim that every time Michael asks him to do something, he always recommends uh, that he ask Dwight.
4: Yeah. I am going to do, you know who would be great for this? Anytime Michael asks me to do anything, I just tell him that Dwight should do it. Yes, I can do it. I'm your man. Right now, this is just a job. If I advance any higher in this company, then this would be my career.
0: And uh, well, if this were my career, I'd have to throw myself in front of a train. So this is kind of this kind of sets off a running theme through for Jim's character throughout pretty much the rest of the series. What's that? That he doesn't necessarily view his current job as his career, just a stepping
1: stone along the way. Is that true? Yeah, I feel like he kind of changes his views on that at several points well. I mean, not to get too far ahead of ourselves. He applies for a promotion, right? But my point
0: is, is that he's never excited to be at Dunder Mifflin.
1: Well, he is a paper salesman. <laughs> I mean, right? <laughs> but yeah, I'll agree with you there. He's yeah. never excited, but he and does. By seem the by, to... the last
0: season, he does.
1: Oh yeah, well he he does leave, right? And it's clear that he doesn't <laughs> love it, even when he's you know. But I f- I feel like there are points where he puts in more effort and. Yeah, I'm not saying he, yeah. Yeah, he does take it more seriously. I feel like there's a point where his job is being threatened. And uh, he brings up specifically that like, you know, the person who shall remain nameless for now that's threatening his job uh, doesn't think that he cares about it, but he does. Right. And he's going to prove it.
0: Yeah, I just, uh, I mean, I'm not saying that he always feels this way. I think it's just a feeling that, largely defines or it's just the struggle that his character has to face throughout the series and he makes various choices based off of that struggle
1: yeah that's all i'm I really agree. saying yeah, I agree with you. There. not that
0: jim always feels like this isn't his career but i see yeah just more like whenever
1: he thinks about his future you know he always saw himself being a sports writer that lives in <laughs> philly and yeah. Plays the guitar. Yeah. Rides his bike around. <laughs> yeah. Or he, uh, he rides his bike to his job at the kayak shop yeah. or kayaks to his job at the bike shop. <laughs> <laughs> and then when he's done with that, he hacky sacks back to reality to spend time with his wife and kid. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, but that is, uh, the trend with Jim gym for sure. So, Yeah. After that, we cut to uh, Michael offering the job to Dwight, who is very excited about the prospect. He he asks if he can have an office for the day, and Michael grants him a temporary workspace. (laughs) (laughs) Okay.
4: First, let's go over some parameters. How many people can I fire? Uh,
2: None. You're picking a health care plan.
4: Okay, we'll table that for the time being. Two, I'm going to need an office. I think the conference room should be fine.
2: You can use the conference room as a temporary workspace. Yes, I have an office. (laughs) Bigger than his. Nope, you cannot use it.
4: Okay, I take it back. It's a workspace.
2: Temporary workspace. You can use it. Thank you. If Dwight fails, then that is strike two. And good for me for, uh, for giving him a second chance. And if he succeeds, then... You know, no one will be prouder than I am. I've groomed him. I made him what he is today. Unless he fails. And uh, I've talked about that already.
1: <laughs> so I had some thoughts watching this scene, and I'm maybe I'm just being really stupid or forgetting something major. What is Michael referring to when he says, if Dwight fails, it's strike two? What was the first strike? I mean, the last episode was Diversity Day. Maybe we just don't know. I guess, but it just seems like a weirdly specific thing to reference. That's true. Yeah. I wonder what Strike One is. Yeah. Maybe just being Dwight.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. I never thought about that. Yeah. And they never really clarify.
1: No. If any listeners... Uh know what michael's referring to you know don't hesitate to yeah please let us know drop us a line yeah correct us because yeah i just i couldn't figure it out but anyhow moving on from that um <laughs> i love white. how many people can i fire well
0: <laughs> none you're just picking a health care plan okay let's table that for a minute <laughs>
1: <laughs> well he's always been you know in favor of downsizing He even brought it up in his interview. So hungry for power. Yeah. (laughs) And immediately wants to use it to hurt people. Yeah. Which is interesting considering, I guess that's just character growth that by the time, you know, spoilers, Dwight does achieve some measure of actual power, not just imaginary power. He uh, doesn't seem to be a bad guy at that point. No. Maybe eccentric and annoying, but. Yeah, we definitely well see More of his soft side as the show progresses. Yeah, but he changes a lot, and his yeah. life changes a lot. That's true. Um, well, anyway, pre-change Dwight, we cut to him explaining uh, how he slashed healthcare benefits to the bone. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, he's
0: handing out he's handing out uh, little rundowns of the new healthcare plan to everybody.
1: Yeah, he's giving everyone a memo. Yeah. And he uh, explains, you know, he, he doesn't see the need for health care. In the wild, there is no health care. In the wild, health is, ow, I hurt my leg. I can't run. A lion eats me, and I'm dead. Well, I'm not dead. I'm the lion. You're dead. You're dead. <laughs> Classic Dwight. Yep. Um, Pam decides that she has had enough of everyone in the office pretty much talking nonstop about how awful Dwight's healthcare plan is. Nope. Michael calls her. Oh,
0: cut. (laughs) (laughs) So everyone's at Pam's desk, like talking about the healthcare plan. Not everyone, but a couple of people have gathered and as they're talking about it, Michael calls Pam
1: and we have the clip.
2: Thunder Mifflin, this is Pam. Pam, Michael, Scott, House Trix? Where are you? Oh, I am in my office. I am swamped. I have work up to my ears. I'm busy, 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 busy. Can't step away. I just wanted to check in and see how everybody's doing. Everybody cool out there?
4: Um, actually, people are really unhappy. Um, Dwight sent around this memo, and oh, Pam, people are freaking you know, out whoa, whoa, because
2: of that. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, I, I got to go. I'm getting a call. No, you're not. I have to make a call after I finish my work. You know what? Um, just don't let anybody in my office under any conditions today. I'm just too busy, too swamped. You know, I am unreachable. I am incommunicado. Capiche? Okay. Thank you. Oh God, here we go again. <laughs> Gotta go. I have to take this. Still, no one calling. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so I know none of you guys could uh, see that but the look on Michael's face when Pam tells him the second time still nobody calling (laughs) very crushed (laughs) ashamed angry just a whole mix (laughs) of negative emotions going on embarrassed (laughs) 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 I love that also like throughout the series Michael seems to have little to no idea of what a receptionist actually does right uh, and, uh, we see it later with Aaron when like, he's, I think he calls David Wallace and David asks his, uh, you know, assistant to hop off the call and Michael <laughs> freaks out. What does she always listening? Like, what is that? And then Aaron pipes in, you yeah, know, Michael, do you want me to hop off too? <laughs> what? Get off. How rude. think <laughs> uh, <laughs> He just thinks they're the first line of person to answer the phone. Right. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, we cut to uh, Jim and Pam go to visit Dwight in his temporary workspace in the conference room. And uh, Jim and Dwight go back and forth a little bit over whether it's an office or a workspace (laughs) until (laughs) uh, Pam just finally gets sick of it and nudges Jim's arm to stop him. And I love that she makes Jim stop, knowing that, you know, like Dwight. For one thing, there's no reason to try to get Dwight to stop and that he's just reactionary. Right, yeah. She, I mean Jim's Jim is the rational one in this exchange. In every exchange. And also With the one Dwight. that's like continuously keeping it going. Yeah. <laughs> but uh <laughs> Yeah, so anyway, uh Pam asks Dwight uh if he cut more than he had to, and everyone hates the plan, it's terrible. Dwight says he does cut more than he had to. And he brags that he doesn't need health care because he's never been sick and has a perfect immune system. <laughs> Jim argues if he's never been sick that he doesn't have any antibodies. And Dwight says he doesn't need them. He's a shrewd. He has superior genes and superior brain power. And he can even raise and lower his cholesterol at will. At will. <laughs> Pam asks the very logical question of why would you want to raise your cholesterol? And what is Dwight's response? So he can lower it. (laughs) (laughs) Can't argue with that logic. Nope. Um, So, yeah, right after this, we cut to Oscar and Meredith waiting outside the men's bathroom for Michael to emerge. They immediately complain that Michael, uh, to Michael, that Dwight has cut their benefits. It's like a pay decrease um dwight tries to pipe up now that they're in the main office space and he's standing in the middle of the room that he only was doing what michael told him to yeah and michael immediately talks over him you know shut up shut up yeah <laughs> and uh complains to dwight that he has to go back into his uh his room and find a health care plan that works for these people and uh <laughs> he immediately goes to flee back into his office as he's way too busy deal with this anymore but he's got a big surprise for everybody coming up at the (laughs) end of the day yeah trying to distract them from what's at hand and giving
0: them something else to look forward to at the end of the day yeah classic michael (laughs) kind of genius but well obviously this plan's gonna backfire maybe if it was somebody else (laughs) right
1: (laughs) and uh yeah we get a little snippet of uh angela chastising oscar for not being assertive enough for constantly (laughs) letting michael walk all over him which i always thought was also like considering the nature of their relationship and friendship over the course of the series like weird that yeah angela would pick oscar like and just like bully him over that right and that oscar would take it but maybe these characters again just weren't really fully fleshed out at this point
0: i feel like there's plenty of times throughout the series that uh angela would benefit from oscar not being so assertive
1: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I feel like we definitely see the opposite. And Oscar is one of the few people in the office that, you know, stands up to Angela routinely and she backs down. Right. So, yeah, weird evolution of yeah. What their characters seem to be at this right. point.
0: Yeah. An uncharacteristic exchange.
1: Yeah. But, I mean, to be fair to the, you know, the actors, like, they only know so much at this point in the series. and Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's fun to point out. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we cut to Michael talking about how uh he thinks he handled that pretty well. And his <laughs> employees must be saying, wow, you know, what a cool boss we have. <laughs> he has a surprise for us at the end of the day. What a great guy. I love, love him. him. I, I love him. <laughs> <laughs> Just really has himself convinced. Yeah. <laughs> and we see that a lot with Michael over the course of the series. Him yeah. just, you know, deciding what people are saying or thinking, despite all evidence pointing to the opposite.
0: Right. <laughs> it's funny because I feel like most people will will re- review themselves in a prior conversation thinking about what they could have done differently. And then there's Michael Scott who's just who totally blunders <laughs> something, but somehow he goes back through it in his head and he just couldn't have handled it any better. Yeah. And he's always proud of himself for <laughs> any of his ideas, which are mostly bad
1: by but, anyone else's standards. <laughs> As he says to Jim in a much, much later episode in a rare, lucid moment, uh I don't remember what the context was, but uh That, you know, focusing was easy for Jim because, uh, Michael lives in a fantasy land. (laughs) (laughs) Jim just perplexed. You do. (laughs) (laughs) Or let's focus on reality. Something like that. Yeah. But yeah, Michael definitely sees what he wants to see. And, uh. I mean, maybe, I guess, you know, if you're Michael Scott, maybe that's just the coping you require to make it through the day. That's true. Although, of course, one could argue that that coping has made it harder for him to make it through the day over time. But (laughs) uh, people are complicated. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Dwight emerges from his temporary workspace and has a bunch of forms in his hand. He asks the office to list out their diseases on the form so Dwight can ensure they're covered. Jim protests and says that that's confidential information, and Dwight says, leave it anonymous or don't fill it in at all, and your issues won't be covered. Right. Um, Michael then emerges back from his office, rushing out, and says he has to make it to a meeting. <laughs> <laughs> we cut to him at a travel agency, where he <laughs> is asking a very confused-looking man about a uh, free casino weekend for the office, where... <laughs> You know, a bus comes and it's already paid for, picks everyone up, brings them to hotel rooms, which are comped. Right. And, you know, the chips are included and just the whole weekend and just everything is food and drinks. Yeah. It's all covered. All free. And yeah. The guy says, understandably, he's never heard of anything like that. Maybe Michael should check with the casinos directly. And, you know, Michael just brushes him off saying, yeah, it's, he already did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, we get back to the office and we see that everyone is writing down their elements on Dwight's form. Uh, Phyllis is seen for a moment. She's reading off one of her medication bottles and writing down on the form. I didn't catch that. Yeah. Apparently there's also, um, it's only shown for half a second, but Stanley apparently circles every single thing that Dwight has listed on the form. (laughs) (laughs) Stanley would. Yep. <laughs> Although, what does he... Well, he only has diabetes, right? <laughs> does he have diabetes? <laughs> I No, I
0: don't think it's ever... I don't think we ever definitively find out that he does. I think Michael
1: just always says that he has diabetes. <laughs> and Dwight. Yeah. Yeah. Stanley gets up from a chair and... Uh, see the noise you made when you got up? <laughs> oh. You eat that apple, you tell me you don't have diabetes. <laughs> Um, So, yeah, everybody is uh, writing down their various issues. They all look pretty uncomfortable. Uh, Jim is back up at Pam's desk and he warns her, don't write Ebola or mad cow disease because he already has both of them. (laughs) Uh, Pam says that she's inventing new diseases and asks Jim uh, what would be a word for if your teeth turn into liquid and then drip down the back of your throat. (laughs) And Jim says uh, he thought they were making up new diseases. That's spontaneous dental hydroplosion. <laughs> <laughs> Which she
0: then writes down on the form.
1: Yeah, this is nice. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, now we go back to Michael, who's still trying to figure out his big surprise still of the day. trying to cook up a surprise. And it looks like he is on the phone with someone. Thank
2: you. Calling to ask you a little Rooney, my friend. Um... Trying to give the troops around here a little bit of a boost, and I was thinking that maybe we could take them down to take a spin on your big ride.
4: You mean the elevator that takes you down in the mine shaft? It's not really a ride.
2: Uh, It says here that it's a a 300-foot drop.
4: Well, it goes 300 feet into the earth, but it moves really slowly.
2: So it's not a free fall?
4: It's an industrial coal elevator.
2: Uh, all right. Well, once you get down into the mine, what do you, you got laser tag or something? Okay. Okay. So I don't know what the surprise is. Am I worried? No. No way. See, I thrive on this.
0: So yeah, that was Michael on the phone with <laughs> a guy who runs a coal mine museum. Well, it seems like
1: just a coal mine.
0: Oh, that's true. Yeah. I, I guess it's the deleted scene
1: where he specifies. That oh yeah, it's a, it's a historically preserved coal right. mine. Yeah, but I I still got like because they say it's an industrial freight elevator. Like my impression was that it's like still a functioning an coal mine. Maybe coal just parts mine. of it have been yeah. sealed off and are used like as a kind of museum. Could be. I mean, I don't know if that's a thing. Yeah, it be a pretty dangerous museum
0: there's certainly less coal mines now and even then than there were you know 20 30 years prior for sure but anyway i mean that we we're never going to know definitively
1: no of course not
0: so when i first i'm i'm 99 percent sure that's creed bratton
1: oh it's definitely creed yeah bratton. it's creed on the phone Yeah, but it's not him as the character creed i'd like to think so but i don't think so yeah. especially since it's a work day you know yeah. he would be at dunder mifflin i
0: still wouldn't put it past him <laughs> it seems like creed has a number of operations going at all times
1: it does although I, although it seems like maybe all of them except for dunder mifflin are a little less than legitimate <laughs> it would still be funny if
0: michael had called creed while he was at work yeah <laughs> in his office talking to him about a coal mine trip <laughs>
1: I mean, it would definitely fit, especially with like later seasons Creed, yeah. as we get to know him. Yeah, that Creed would just have a conversation. I mean, I feel like later seasons Creed, anybody could call him asking about a coal mine, and he'd probably just <laughs> he'd launch just into play it and play yeah, along. Yeah, yeah. I don't even think he knows what he does. <laughs> yeah. We do find out though in the deleted scene, if you guys
0: haven't seen it, that the guy that Michael is talking to is, is named Craig, and he's a client. Yeah, not oh, a very big
1: client. Not a big
0: client because he hangs up on him mid conversation. <laughs> yeah, in, in order to rationalize it, he looks at the camera and he's like, I wasn't a big client."
1: He asks him what he has to do when they take the elevator down. He says they <laughs> have an anthropite museum and you know a bat guano sculpture. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's when Michael cuts him off at bat guano sculpture. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, so good. Um. So yeah, obviously that did not pan out for Michael. And, uh, yeah, after this phone call, we cut back to the office where we see Dwight freaking out in the conference room and screaming Jim's name, pounding on the desk. Yeah. <laughs> in response to these wacky diseases being written on the forms. Dwight bursts out of the room, starts yelling about fictional diseases, and starts listing off some of them. Yeah. Uh, one of them being hot dog fingers. <laughs> Which causes the entire accounting department to burst out laughing.
0: Yeah, I mean it it, it kind of cuts around to everyone in the office. And even Stanley is 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 laughing at some of these. Yeah. Which is funny because I feel like
1: Stanley normally wouldn't find much humor and nonsense
0: like this, but
1: Although he did circle every disease on the forum, so clearly he well, has no I think that was I think that
0: was Stanley attempting to get the best healthcare coverage he could.
1: You know what? That makes more, yeah. more sense. I didn't even think about that. Yeah,
0: I, I think that was less about him being funny and more about him wanting a decent healthcare plan. So
1: I think it is funny. We also see Angela laughing because that's very out of character for her, right? And apparently, it was actually not intended for her to be laughing. Uh, that the actress broke character and uh, the producers thought it was funny so they decided to leave it in. Interesting. Yeah. But um, yeah, so Dwight freaks out. He accuses Jim of being responsible. Jim denies it and Dwight says he needs to sit down and interview everybody and until <laughs> then, nobody has any health care. <laughs> <laughs> it's a stupid empty threat, but you know. And it's like, right. you know, a, a day. Yeah. <laughs> Um, So, yeah, we cut to Jim sitting with Dwight in the conference room. Uh, Dwight says that, you know, forging false medical information is a very serious issue and asks Jim if he wrote Count Choculitis because he knows that Dwight loves Count Chocula. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Dwight says no and uh, gets up and slips a key out of his pocket and locks the conference room. With Dwight inside behind him as he leaves. Yeah, Jim gets up. Yeah. Oh, did I say Dwight? Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. So Jim gets up and walks out of the conference room and, and
0: locks Dwight in behind him.
1: Yeah. Dwight immediately starts pounding on the window and uh, <laughs> demanding that Jim let him out. Let me out. Let me out or you're fired. <laughs> and uh, Pam calls Jim from her desk. No, first Dwight calls Jim. You sure? Yes.
0: Dwight calls Jim and says, Let me out. And Jim's oh. like, Who's this? And Dwight's like, That's This right. isn't funny. If you don't let me out, I'm gonna fire you. And Jim's like, You can't fire me. And then Pam calls and Jim. Pam calls. And Jim puts Dwight on
1: hold. Right to I got talk to Pam. Yeah. <laughs> and they just talk about their weekend plans. Right. <laughs> so uh, we cut back to Dwight in the conference room where he is now calling Jan on the phone. He says that Michael made him manager for the day and asked Jan if he has permission to fire Jim. Jan uh, says, you know, just to be clear, Dwight is not manager of anything and that he can't fire Jim. Uh, Michael or Dwight says that's not entirely true as Michael put him in charge of finding a new health care plan. Jan understandably freaks out and uh, tells Dwight that whenever Michael gets back, to the office have him call her right away and uh tells dwight never to use her cell phone number again and then hangs up on him abruptly as he tries to stammer out an apology yeah so yeah we cut to michael has now returned to the office with ice cream sandwiches he starts screaming you know excitedly and throwing them to people hey look out (laughs) think fast yep I think uh, he throws one at Kevin that just sails right past Kevin and just smashes into the door. Kevin just turns and <laughs> stares at it and looks back. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Stanley walks up to Michael and takes an ice cream sandwich and says, you know, I hope this isn't the surprise since we've all had a pretty horrible day. He says, well, no, it's not the surprise, although it is surprising. <laughs> so you weren't expecting it. <laughs> and as
0: soon as Stanley turns his eyes, Michael just like Totally deflates.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So uh, Michael turns and goes to go back into his office as Dwight pounds on the window for Michael to help him. (laughs) And I love Michael's reaction. He just looks up at Dwight and just goes, gives a disgusted, and just walks into his office ignoring Dwight locked in the conference room.
0: (laughs) At which point Jim pretends to throw an ice cream sandwich to Dwight but it just hits the window that Dwight's standing
1: in front of. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh so it looks like after this uh I guess Michael did eventually unlock the conference room as now everybody's in the conference room with Dwight. Yep. And uh we come back to Dwight once again listing off the some of the false medical yeah, disorders. His idea
0: now is to read off out loud the medical disorders. And if anybody has said disorder, they're supposed to raise their hand. And that's how he's going to filter through the list that was given to him to get rid of the false (laughs) false medical issues that people wrote down.
4: The employees went crazy. I got no help from corporate, so that leaves me with no options. I'm now going to read aloud your submitted medical conditions. When you hear yours read, please raise your hand to indicate that it is real. If you do not raise your hand it will not be covered. What about
0: confidentiality?
4: You know what, you have forfeited that privilege. I have tried to treat you all as adults, but obviously I am the only adult here. Number one, inverted penis.
0: Could you mean vagina? Because if you do, I want that covered.
4: I thought your vagina was removed during your hysterectomy.
0: uterus is different from a vagina.
3: I still have a vagina.
1: So <laughs> that was Meredith who uh fortunately still has her vagina. I love everybody's reaction <laughs> in the conference room when
0: she says, I still have a vagina. Like I feel like some people are grossed out, but they don't wanna like let on <laughs> that they're grossed out, so they just kind of like sit there and stew in their grossed outness. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's really- and I feel
1: like it's like <laughs> And just the just discomfort of the situation. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, this is a grown woman who has to say that now. <laughs> yeah. Because of how stupid Dwight is. Oh, <laughs> uh, I love it. But yeah, so Meredith is played by Kate Flannery. She is a former member of Second City's National Touring Company. She was an original member of Chicago's Annoyance Theater. She appeared in over 15 shows, including... This is apropos the Miss Vagina pageant (laughs) and the real-life Brady Bunch. Oh, wow. Uh, She also has a cult comedy lounge act with Scott Robinson called The Lampshades. And she's been running that in Hollywood and in comedy festivals around the country since
0: 2001.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. The Lampshades was also New York Magazine's LA pick for 2006 and was declared the best Saturday comedy show of the year by LA Weekly. All right. Yeah, She has also been touring with the great Jane Lynch as her sidekick on stage since 2013 in her show See Jane Sing with Tim Travis and the Tony Guerrero Quintet. Tim Davis. Tim Davis, what'd I say? Tim Travis. Tim Travis. Tim Davis. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She was also in the long-running New York hit Nora Ephron's Love Loss and What I Wore. Uh, She also played the teen prostitute Blair's sister in The Facts of Life at the Renberg Theater and in a Lily Tomlin Jane Wagner production of Three Feet Under at the Evidence Room. She's also apparently the former musical director of the Los Angeles Drama Club and has taught Shakespeare to children and young adults. Wow, I never would have pinned her to be
0: Shakespearean.
1: Yeah, she's pretty prolific. Wow. And uh, she also made a Christmas album with Jane Lynch called A Swingin' Little Christmas that reached number eight on Billboard's Top 100 charts.
0: Damn, that's really high for a Christmas album.
1: Yeah. She was also a member of the band Monopuff using the stage name Lady Puff. And she toured with the band and sang on their second album entitled It's Fun to Steal. (laughs) (laughs) I never heard of them before, but they sound pretty great. Yeah. Um, Yeah, she is also, in addition to playing Meredith Palmer on The Office, she's known for appearances in The Bernie Mac Show, Boomtown, Jimmy Kimmel Live, and Curb Your Enthusiasm. Can you think of? I can't. Neither can I. But now I really, I think when I get home, that's going to be the first thing I do is look up where she is and find her. She has to be just like a random bystander in passing
0: that like Larry has like a small confrontation with I can't think of
1: maybe but I will say she also has a very specific look in the office and in real life and in other things that's true she looks pretty different very different
0: man it's amazing how many people from the office have been involved with the Bernie Mac show it is yeah I never would have thought
1: that but as you pointed out to me a long time ago you know you often see a lot of actors and actresses that are in a lot of the same shows because they use the same casting agencies yeah, or agents. That's true. So it makes sense. And I've noticed ever since you told me that I see that trend like everywhere. Yeah. I mean, I know that even in the, the podcast Signcast, whenever they talk about random actors and actresses in early episodes of Seinfeld, almost every single one of them has also been in at least one episode of Jake and the fat man. Huh? Like every single one, <laughs> yeah. True, interesting. <laughs> yeah, so I guess that just happens all the time. There you but go. yeah, lots of Bernie Mac crossover. Yeah, um, it looks like in two thousand eight, she was the talent scout on Last Comic Standing with uh, Brian Baumgartner, who play Baumgartner. Sorry, who plays Kevin in the Office? And she also appeared with the cast of the Office on Celebrity Family Feud. Huh. It looks like she's also been a judge in. Iron Chef America. Wow. Yeah. Oh, and last but not least, she plays a uh, crossing guard, or no, sorry. She played a janitor in an episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Cool. Yeah. (laughs) Another NBC, or originally NBC comedy show. I guess now Hulu? Did Hulu pick it up after NBC canceled it? Somebody did. Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Yeah. I, I don't know. Huh. Well, it doesn't matter either way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that is Meredith Palmer. Uh, customer relations, as we find out maybe <laughs> later. <laughs> yes. But uh, yeah, she sits in the back corner of the office with Creed. Goes above and beyond. Yes, she really does. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, we uh, are still in the conference room. Dwight brings up, uh, he's going through the list of false diseases and gets around to anal fissures (laughs) as being one of the uh, things that someone wrote who's just messing with him. And Kevin, very awkwardly and shyly, pipes up, you know, that's a real thing. And Dwight agrees, yeah, okay, it is, but nobody here has it. (laughs) Kevin, just very sheepishly and slowly looking at the ground, says... Somebody has it. <laughs> oh, poor Kevin! And everybody, including Dwight, looks uh, pretty mortified. I feel like it's one of the first times we ever see Dwight yeah. express regret on his face yeah. in the show. <laughs> right? Feels bad for Kevin. Feels bad for the situation. Yeah, there's, there's nothing good there. No. <laughs> so, um, yeah. After this, we cut to everybody leaving the conference room, looking understandably exhausted and irritated. Yeah, and. Uh, Michael is already halfway out the door, and they stop him and uh, say that, uh, you know, Dwight still hasn't raised benefits. And Michael, you know, gives this very fake sounding, you know, cry at Dwight, you know, thanks, Dwight, for a crappy plan. Like, God. (laughs) And uh, tries to come up with a surprise.
2: See you guys uh, on Monday.
4: What about the surprise?
2: Oh, yes. Exactly. Thank you, Angela, for reminding me. Terrific. Um, Before I tell everybody what the big surprise is, would you like to tell me what you think the big surprise is?
0: We all think you don't have a surprise.
2: All right, I have some news for you. There is a big surprise. And here it is. Here we go. And... The big surprise is (laughs) drum roll. When I am backed into a corner, that is when I come alive. See, I learned improv from the greats, like um, Drew Carey and Ryan Stiles. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> this. Robin Williams, oh man, would I love to go head to head with him. Oh that would be exciting. I, oh, I'm Mark from Ork. Well I'm I'm Bork from Smark. Nanu Nanu. Jibbly, blue, blue.
1: <laughs> so uh I love how
0: <laughs> when Angela says what about the surprise, Michael responds to her as if he's like a kid in a class and someone just reminded the teacher that they forgot to give homework.
1: <laughs> right. Thank you. Thank you, Angela. <laughs> I think spiteful Michael is one of my favorite Michaels. Yeah. And uh, yeah, as you can hear, Michael's surprise is nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Just like Dan- Stanley said. Yep. And uh, there's actually an company deleted scene that uh, we really wish they had left in. This is pretty great where after everybody has disappointedly left the room and it's just Michael standing next to Dwight. Uh,
0: No, just by himself. Dwight had gone back into the conference room.
1: Oh yeah, I guess Dwight says his piece and then goes back into the conference room and Michael just standing there frozen with just like a weird expression on his face. They erupts with, we're all going bowling! And just kind of looks around and just goes back into his office. (laughs) couldn't come up with it in time yeah i mean <laughs> do you think that would have gone over that great if he had come up with it oh, on the spot no I'd definitely not nobody would have gone bowling with him everyone would have left just
0: as disappointed as they were before yeah maybe, maybe. more so maybe
1: <laughs> and uh yeah dwight informs michael that uh oh yeah jan said to call her right away when you get back <laughs> <laughs> leaves my insult standing there insult alone. to injury yeah. right
0: there at the end
1: maybe injury to insult yeah <laughs> yeah as the case may be <laughs> and that is it for the third episode of the office So yeah, ratings and reviews. Um, I think this is a pretty good episode. It's not, uh, not too big in scope. I feel like not a whole lot goes on, but you do get to see a lot of pretty great Michael moments and some great Jim and Dwight scenes. And uh, yeah, you just see a little bit more of who each of the characters are dealing with this one specific issue. Yeah. And um, yeah, not the most exciting episode, but yeah. some quality scenes in there. Yeah. I would say that I would rate this episode uh seven uh big surprises out of ten.
0: Well oh, I think uh I'm not gonna be quite as generous. I'm gonna give this episode five out of ten ice cream sandwiches.
1: Oh wow
0: yeah I I mean I like the episode. I just feel like it's a little middle of the road compared to the rest of the series and uh that's fair yeah um again i can't hate it but i don't love it i do like uh i I feel like at least in the first season you know before all the characters have been established it's they're really going for a uh social commentary kind of humor that we can see in diversity day and this episode
1: yeah that is true since health care is you know right a big issue big that issue. is ongoing right
0: and uh they do a good job of showing uh how it can kind of be problematic to have your health care tied to your job absolutely because like any corporation you're really trying to your only focus is the bottom line not the people so absolutely yeah you're gonna save as much money as you can on the health insurance that you need to pay them and people suffer as a result so i like that aspect of this episode a lot
1: yeah i didn't really think about that aspect of it but uh yeah yeah that is a good point and it is a more real issue than a lot of the ones that episodes will deal with in the future in the future yeah so what did you give it what was your rating Six, five, five out of ten. Five out of ten ice cream sandwiches yeah so are they the ice cream sandwiches with the, cho- with the chocolate chips? <laughs> or should I shut up and just eat it?
0: <laughs> hey, paper people. We want to hear from you guys. Drop us a line. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash outofpaperpod. You can follow our Instagram feed at outofpaperpod. Or hit us up on Twitter at opaperpod. Which to me sounds like, oh, Tenenbaum, but Twitter just assigned us this name and now we're stuck with it. So thanks, Twitter.
1: Yeah, that was the third episode of Out of Paper. Hope you all enjoyed it and have a great night and hopefully some decent health care. Yeah, stay healthy out there. Yeah. Catch you guys in the next one. Peace. Oh, um, Jan wants
0: you to call her.
2: We're all going bowling?
0: Out of paper, out of stock, let's Faces around the block, break loose from the chains that are causing you pain. Come, like stanley, Jim wine, and creek, call any Kelly for your business paper needs called the Miffle people, people, persons, paper people.
1: Out of Paper is not endorsed by D Productions or NBC and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The office, the office logo, and all character, pictures, and audio of the office are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their registered copyright holders.